what is the mission <clears throat> excuse me, that the Lord has called us to be a part of and He wants us to fulfill in 2021? This Sunday and next Sunday, I'm going to bring, be bringing a two-part series of messages on what is the mission that God has for us as a church in 2021. How He wants to take our scars and make them into His story of His grace and His mercy. Our mission for this year needs to be his mission that he has for us. And let's be part of the story that he wants to write. If you have your Bibles, if you turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, verses 18 through 21. And as you turn there, I want to review where the Lord has taken us this past year. Usually at the beginning of each year, I bring a message sort of outlining a series of goals and opportunities that I sense that God's laying before us as a congregation and call us to begin to work and move in that direction. And I did that last year. I never dreamed in January of 2020 that what was going to happen in March of 2020 happened and all the plans and everything we had pretty much got laid aside very quickly and we had to adjust to where the Lord was taking us and where events were taking us and they almost seemed to take us a different place by the week. Last year, and we're looking back on last year, I think we can hear God's call by reflecting on what the Lord did in us and among us in 2020. And I want to emphasize the word hearing God's call, because even though we had to change things and change things quick, we didn't do that just in a knee-jerk way. We tried to respond to what we sensed the Lord was calling us to be about and what God wanted us to do, even in the midst of of things changing in ways that we had never anticipated. And I want to commend you as a congregation for the creativity and the flexibility that you had. I often tell our mission teams when we're training them, one of the keys in mission work is being flexible. Just responding to situations that you didn't anticipate in ways that you did not anticipate them and moving with the Lord in that. And last year called for a lot of flexibility, it called for a lot of creativity, and we were able to move in that flexibility and creativity. Some of the things and new ideas that we, were, we put into place very quickly are our basketball ministry on Sunday afternoons. Kids couldn't go into gyms around here and play, they couldn't go to schools and play, and it was amazing this past summer to watch in 90 degree heat kids coming together over this basketball court back here and playing out there, and I don't know how they stood it for an hour and a half, but it was a marvelous opportunity, and we just have continued that ministry of ministering to those young people and having the opportunity to give them Bibles, to have a verse of the week, and to share the Lord Jesus with them and invite them into a relationship with Him through that particular ministry. The Windy Lane Vacation Bible School that we did back last summer, going into that community and through uh, puppets and... Uh, just the way we had to sort of work it differently, but being able to go into that community for three days in an outdoor vacation Bible school and, and be on mission and share Christ as well as some other ministries that we've been able to do. The toy drives that we had back in December, you all the, uh, have come to me periodically throughout 2020 and said, Pastor, can we find a way to continue to do missions? And then when the sheriff's department approached us about a family at the middle school and Lee Wade called us and said, hey, we need help over here with kids who need toys, you all responded with just tons of toys and food. And that enabled us to connect to our community in a unique way and share Christ 
it also opens the door for future ministry that we're able to do here in the community by being able to come alongside of people when they're hurting and be there for them so down the road we can come back and hopefully have other opportunities to minister in Jesus' name. Parking lot worship. None of us had ever done, to the best of my knowledge, parking lot worship before. And we've got a sort of a unique situation here where we've got a parking lot that's way up in the air and everybody else was way down there and trying to figure out the logistics of that and all the work that our media team had to do. Most of you didn't know this, but they were having to get out there two and three hours ahead of time and set everything up because we were live broadcasting on Facebook in addition, and trying to record for the radio, in addition to the parking lot ministry itself, and our worship team had to make all kinds of uh, adjustments uh, to do that. I, I joked one Sunday in, in the late May, I had never prepared to lead worship before by putting suntan lotion on, and it was just a, a different atmosphere out there, but we were able to adjust to that and do parking lot worship and be able to reach people through that, and that was interesting and exciting. Then going to the other end of the extreme temperature-wise, a few weeks ago when we had the living nativity um, across the street and the opportunity we had to share Christ with folks with that living nativity. We made Bibles and the Christmas story in a children's version available to folks as they would come for that. Uh, the children back to school event that we did back in August, or I guess it was the first part of September, where folks came up through the parking lot and we handed them, our children's workers handed them bags that contained a, a mask and different things for school uh, and so forth, was an outreach to the children uh, in the area. The trunk or treat that we had, we had a huge amount of folks that showed up for the trunk or treat and we had to do the social distancing piece and all of that, but we ran out of Bibles that night. We had a Bible table and we were giving out copies of God's Word and uh, I kept going back in the church and getting more cases of Bibles till there were no more Bibles to, to give out. And one of the things that we've noticed at our ministry events is the desire and the hunger for God's Word. I grew up in a day and age where everybody and his brother you know, had a Bible. In our home, we had three or four Bibles or more of them. But so many people today do not have copies of God's Word. And so it's always exciting when we do these mission projects and make Bibles available. How many people are thankful to get a Bible and anxious to get a Bible? And so we had a great opportunity doing that. So, again, I just want to thank you for all the things that you did this past year to enable us to respond in different ways and be flexible in doing ministry so that we were able to adjust and reach people. Your resourcefulness your faithfulness in giving. I can't say enough to you about how much it has meant to those of us on staff, uh, particularly in the months that when we were not able to open the building, to be able to know that your giving was coming in through the internet, that you were mailing, <coughs> excuse, mailing it in, <coughs> some came to the church and dropped it in, but that enabled us and positioned us to be able to stay in ministry and continue in ministry and not have to cut back in ministry, and not have to sweat bullets over what we were doing. So I just thank you so much for your faithfulness in giving, and also your faithfulness in responding and getting involved in different ways to do ministry. And I've outlined some of the things that we were able to do, but your ability and willingness <clears throat> to say, hey, I'm going to jump in, I'll stand out on a parking lot, I'll stand out a front door, I'll do whatever I've got to do in order to connect with people, in order to minister, even if I have to do it from six feet away with a mask over my face and do bumps, you know, with my arm or whatever. But any way that we can adjust to do it, I will do that. So thank you for your, your, the resourcefulness that you've shown. 
And I want to commend the leaders in various areas. Um, I can't say enough about the leadership of our media team. Uh, we were doing Facebook Live and the radio ministry prior to the pandemic. But last year when the pandemic hit and we had to shut everything down and we had to go to straight media, our media team had literally one week to go from business as usual to taking their game up about 10 notches. Uh, we had to get new equipment in order to be able to do the things that we were doing. Uh, they had to start coming in here earlier and they had to start working more hours during the week to try to do everything that we wanted to do in media. And I just cannot say enough things about our media team. Every time we had to make a change or adjustment, they made the change in the adjustment. Um, every time we had to increase what we were doing, they flowed with it. They were able to diagnose issues. Uh, we had to improve what we were doing in terms of how it looked and how it sounded. And they just rolled with the punches on that. I remember one of the first uh, online programs we did, I looked at it the next morning and I decided early on for some unknown reason that I would sit in a chair down here and preach instead of being up here and it was a swivel chair and I watched myself on the internet and I got seasick. I was swiveling back and forth so much that I got seasick watching myself swivel back and forth in that chair and so we had to make all kinds of changes and our media team was so diplomatic and coming to me from time to saying, Pastor, it'd be nice, maybe you'd look at doing this or doing that and when I looked at it on the internet, I was like, no Lord, no wonder they're telling me when need to change up what we're doing and uh, etc. So I want to thank them, <clears throat> our missions folks. We had this idea going into last year that we were going to do missions in Hampton Roads and we were looking at a potential another overseas missions trip and all of that had to be uh, scuttled but we adjusted and I just want to thank our missions leadership for enabling us to, to do missions here in Franklin County and in Rocky Mount and the work that we've been able to do on a local basis in missions, drama ministry. Uh, that just added a dimension to our worship services back in November and December in particular uh, of being able to do live drama in the services that helped introduce the message. We discovered folks in our congregation that had a drama potential that we didn't know. And some of you all discovered with me drama potential that I don't have. And, uh, but it was uh, an exciting thing to see folks interfacing with the drama ministry and making that happen. And uh, that's a ministry, of course, we are going to, Lord willing, continue in 2021. But that just added a dimension to our worship. And, you know, this year we couldn't do the big programs at Christmas and at Easter. But being able to do the dramas in short sketches on Sunday morning and enabled us to be able to do drama even though we weren't able to do the big productions and so that was a blessing to be able to see that come together. Um, music, we went from February inside here doing everything the way we were used to to then having to do everything online which may sound easy but we, when you do it all online you're under such tight constraints and uh, what you all don't see when you watch it online is all the activity that's going on out here off camera and trying to make sure that people get on and off platforms quickly and the music works just right, et cetera, et cetera. There's no room for error when you're doing that. And then moving back out in the parking lot and then coming back in here with restrictions, et cetera. And our music ministry here has just been able to respond tremendously. And we had to, needless to say, stop doing choir 
And uh, again, just a lot of adjustments, but I want to commend our music ministry for the work that they did, as well as our other ministries, for how they have had to change. Youth ministry went from Zoom calls, now we're trying to get back in the building and, and work it that way. But again, thank you for the creativity and the flexibility that you have shown. And I think one of the lessons the Lord's taught us is even though we've lived through change and have had unexpected ways that we've had to do ministry, the Lord took us through it. And God showed us new ways to tell his story. This coming summer, we hope to be able to do vacation Bible school. And we hope to be able to go to the Southampton Roads area for our statewide mission project. We hope at some point this year to be able to resume our small group ministry. Uh, I would love to give you definitive dates for all of that, but right now that would be like trying to nail an egg yolk to the wall. Uh, just have no idea, and one thing I've learned over the past year is don't set anything definite right now, because as sure as you do, it will change, and we're back to the drawing board again. So those are some hopes that we have. We're just sort of waiting to see where this pandemic goes, how things hopefully are going to be tapping down. We're praying by the first part of the summer. But again, just stay tuned and we'll see where we go with that. I think our key for this year is to continue to be flexible, continue to be creative, and we welcome your creative ideas uh, as we try to continue to figure out where God wants to take us. Now, I've got puppets out here this morning on the stage, and the reason for that is you take these two puppets and add about eight more to them. we got a whole bunch of puppets, and we have found those puppets to be very successful in doing children's ministry out in the community as well as here and if God lays on your heart and speaks puppets to you come let us know because we would love to put these puppets to work not just during the summer but find a way to do puppet shows for kids uh, we can I mean, we could do them here on Sunday morning for the kids that are in the building as well as those join us through uh, Facebook and, uh, but if, if God speaks to you, and see, the wonderful thing about puppets is no one sees your face. So if you're nervous, nobody knows about it. If you're ugly, nobody knows about it. Uh, I'm just joking, of course. But God can use puppets uh, in a marvelous way. And uh, we saw a lot of responses past summer. So if you have an interest in puppet ministry, let us know. Because we love to take this resource that we've got and put it to use. Now... Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28. We've heard God's call and what He did in us and through us in 2020. What is God's call moving into a new year? Jesus gathers His disciples on a mountain in an area called Galilee of the Gentiles. Remember that phrase. We'll revisit it later on. Jesus utilizes everything, including geography, when he is teaching. And there's a specific reason that he brought the disciples to what's been called the Mount of the Ascension because it geographically was located in an area called Galilee of the Gentiles. Jesus came and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, our future 
What the Lord has for us in this year is based on His command. Based on His command. And I want you to see in verse verse 18 how Jesus prefaces the command. So many times when we look at what we call the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, we put all the emphasis on go, baptize, and teach. But if we don't grasp hold of the first part of what Jesus prefaces the command with, then we will miss how to actually live out what the Lord's calling us to do. Jesus came to those disciples and he said to them, All authority, notice where he says that in heaven and on earth, has been given to me. First of all, Jesus says that his authority is in heaven and on earth. In other words, his authority is worldwide. There is not a place that you and I can go that his authority is not there and has not preceded us. We do not take the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ with us. We only meet it when we get to where God is directing us to go. We don't take Jesus into communities. We join him in what he is already doing and accomplishing in communities. His authority is equal and his authority is everywhere. It says it's in heaven and on earth. Now, other places in Scripture, it says that spiritual warfare is taking place in the heavens, in a dimension that we cannot see. But His authority is just as effective in those dimensions where we cannot see it as in those dimensions where we can see it. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. His authority is worldwide in its dimension, and it also commands all of the resources of heaven. Everything that heaven holds, the power of God, the glory of God, the might of God, the majesty of God, you name it, is bound up and in the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the challenge for us is not his authority, that he is the authority, that he ultimately is the one in control, but it's how do you and I get in touch with that authority and how do you and I move with that authority? The challenge the disciples faced was not to bring Jesus' authority into situations. It was already there. It was how did they join his authority? How did they move in his authority? How do you and I and how do we corporately as a church minister in the authority of God, move in and with the authority of God, and see the authority of God in manifestation wherever it is that we minister? I believe the place where his authority that we get in touch with His authority, is the place of prayer. Prayer is where we move in the authority of God as we pray over people and we pray over situations. Prayer is the place that we get ourselves under His authority. Prayer is how we minister in His authority. In prayer, we are opening to Him. In prayer, we are listening first and foremost to Him. In prayer, we are saying to God, Lord, we are not sufficient to handle this situation. We're not sufficient to handle the world we live in. We are not sufficient to reach our community. We are not sufficient in and of ourselves to even live the Christian life. And so, Lord, we need to hear from you. And we need empowerment from you. And we need an outpouring of your Holy Spirit. 
And we need a word from you. And we need wisdom from you. And God, we need to move in your authority in this situation. We need to move and live under your authority as believers. We need to have our spirits, who we are, disciplined and under the authority of the Holy Spirit. We need to have our tongues, what comes out of our mouths, under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need, Lord, to minister and to reach out and to do your work in your authority. And prayer is the place that that happens. The call that God has to us as a church, first of all, I believe for 2021, is to be a people of prayer and continue to grow in the place of prayer. It is in prayer that we deepen our walk with the Lord. And it is in prayer that we prepare for what God has for us. I can't stress that enough. It is in prayer that we prepare for what God has in store for us. Both in whom God shapes us and how he shapes us in prayer. But also in praying for the power of God to be known in the communities and in the places and in the people's lives where we do ministry. If you go back and you look at the leaders of scripture. David spent years in the desert between the time he was anointed to be the king of Israel and the time he actually became the king of Israel. And in that in-between time in the desert, what was David doing? He wasn't wasting it. He wasn't twiddling his finger. He wasn't just counting sheep and waiting for the years to go by. He was seeking the face of God in prayer. That's why the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart because he was seeking God's face during those years so that when he stepped into the throne room, he was ready to step into the throne room and prayer was what prepared him to step into the throne room of the leadership of Israel. John the Baptist spent 40 days in prayer before he began his public ministry. Jesus was in the wilderness in prayer for 40 days before he launched his public ministry. Paul was in the wilderness in prayer before he began his public ministry. He spent time in prison. The prison letters, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Galatians were written in prison, out of the prayer life of Paul. God used those times in prison, in prayer, to prepare him to write what would influence the church for literally thousands of years to come. Elijah was sent to a cave to be in prayer. The disciples were in the upper room for 40 days in prayer before the coming of the Holy Spirit. Now, folks, if Jesus... And Paul and the disciples and John the Baptist and Elijah needed to be in prayer in extended periods of prayer before God would take them and use them. How much more do we need to be in the place of prayer? The passage of scripture that I read this morning, or I should say Jacob read this morning to open our service. Listen to those words again from Isaiah chapter 40. Have you not known and have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even the youths of the young people are going to faint and be weary. And the young men are going to fall exhausted. 
But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. Prayer is where you and I wait for the Lord. And we wait on the Lord. And we wait on the Lord and for the Lord till we get a word from Him, till we get strengthened by Him, till we get encouraged by Him. And then we move. And only then do we move. As I said to you earlier in this message, I don't know when we're going to be able to start connect groups back again. I don't know when we're going to be able to get ministries going on normal again. But what I want to encourage us in is not to take the next months, however long those months are, and to sit and to be discouraged and twiddle our fingers and just think we got to wait. Every time God gets ready to do something great, He calls His church to prayer first. And if we will wait on the Lord in prayer, when we get on the other side of this pandemic, I believe God will pour Himself out in ways that we would never have anticipated. If we pray. Now if we sit and don't pray. Then we're just going to give what our human flesh can produce. But if we will seek him in prayer. Get a prayer list. Of people that you're praying that will come to Christ. Get a list of things that you believe God wants to do. And begin to pray over that. Now so many people say I don't know how to pray. And I don't know how to get at prayer. Prayer is like learning algebra. You just got to do it. And you're probably going to screw up a bit when you get started doing it. I remember when I was in school and my algebra teachers used to look at me and they throw those equations at me. I just look at it and think, I'm never going to get this done. I'll never understand this. But as I did one little problem and then another little problem and another problem and they begin to put it together, I begin to learn it. I couldn't have mastered it all at one time. And a lot of times we give up in prayer because we try to master it all at one time. Just flow with the Lord. I've shared this story with you. When we went, I went prayer walking the first time years ago in Venezuela. They told us we were going to prayer walk. And we were going to basically prayer walk for several hours in the morning and several hours in the afternoon. And I remember walking out on the streets and thinking, how in the world am I going to pray hour after hour after hour? I'd be happy if I could get through 10 minutes, let alone hours this is what I learned, and this is what our team learned. If you will go into place of prayer and stop trusting in ourselves, how good am I going to pray, how long am I going to pray, just go into the place of prayer and say, Lord, with the Holy Spirit, teach me and guide me, and let him put the words in my mouth, you will be shocked at how the Lord will begin to pray through you. You will begin to move with God in the place of prayer. And what our team found was we didn't have enough time to pray over the things that God. We begin to see things and sense things that we had no clue. I remember early on on that first mission trip, there was a youth rock concert taking place on Saturday night across the street from where we were. And I remember as I listened to those kids and I listened to that music, I began to pray, God, help us to reach the young people of this city for you. Several years later, we had a youth revival in that town. And I watched a room full of Venezuelan young people hearing about the Lord Jesus Christ. 
We walked through a neighborhood called the San Bosco neighborhood. Never really met anybody. But we just walked through that neighborhood and prayed for God to do a work in that neighborhood. Two years later, we went in there with a vacation Bible school and God gave us in one week 350 children and teenagers from that community to share Christ with. But it started in prayer two years earlier. So I can't stress the importance of waiting on the Lord in prayer. We will have prayer times here this year, the first Wednesday nights of each month. Where we'll gather online and, if you want to, in person to pray for our church, to pray for our community, to pray for our nation, to pray over specific requests. Now, he says, all authority. We get in touch with his authority through prayer. The next thing he says is go, engage people, create connections. When we go, what we do is what I call micro-ministry. Macro is the great big stuff. Micro is life on life, person to person. When Jesus says go here, he's not so much talking about macro as he is talking about micro. And so many times we give up because we say that the problem, the issues are too big. But he's not calling us to take on the macro. He's calling us to take on the micro. Person to person. Relationship to relationship. The macro problems are never going to get solved if we don't do the micro work first. Go. Micro. Connect with people. Then he says make disciples. Now I'm not going to preach a lot on discipleship this morning because that's coming later this year. But when he says make disciples, what is a disciple? A disciple is simply someone who follows Jesus. A disciple is simply someone who is following Jesus. How do we disciple people? We help them to follow Jesus. I can't take anybody any farther than I've been myself with Jesus. But my job, my calling in, in this command is simply to help people follow Jesus as I am learning to follow Jesus. And as we do that, we help them and encourage them to follow Jesus. And we share with them at some point in the process the gospel. That is the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. That he came, that he lived, that he died, that he rose again. Now this is the reason I emphasize that. We can do a lot of good stuff in 2021. We can feed people, clothe people, we can give toys out. I mean, you name it, we can do it. But if we don't share Jesus in the process of doing that, and when I say share Jesus, I mean share the message of Jesus and the name of Jesus, what is the difference between us and atheists? I mean, atheists can be nice to people. Atheists can feed people and clothe people. And that's the reason I want to stress that everything we do has an ultimate goal in it of giving a verbal witness of who Jesus is, how Jesus can change a life, and the difference that Jesus Christ can make. That is that idea of going and making disciples. Now, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to look at discipleship from the book of Matthew later on this year, and we're going to see how Jesus discipled so that we can get some hints about how to do it. Part of discipleship and growing and following Jesus is using our spiritual gifts, the gifts that God gives us. 
starting a week from this Wednesday night, both online and in person, if you want to come here, we're going to be doing a study for a number of weeks on spiritual gifts. What are spiritual gifts? How can you discover your spiritual gifts? And how can you use the spiritual gifts or gift that God places in your life? There's a book, a study book by Charles Stanley that we're going to be using for that. And you can pick that up. Um, you can sign up for it, I should say, at the tables as you leave today. So we can make sure we order enough of those uh, books for you. But learning to use our spiritual gifts is part of growing in discipleship. This coming Wednesday night, both if you want to come in person and online, I'm going to be teaching a one-night study called Experiencing God, Knowing and Doing the Will of God. Now, that's a much more extensive study, so I'm condensing it into a one-night presentation. But I welcome you to join us online or in person as we learn and look together at how can we know and live out God's will. And then from that, we're going to go into the spiritual gift study starting the following week. Now, he says, go and make disciples of all nations or better translated, all ethnic or people groups. Remember I said that Jesus spoke this in Galilee of the Gentiles to largely a group of disciples who were Jews. He gathered them in Galilee of the Gentiles for a reason. Because they're sitting there in the midst of this area that's full of Gentiles and they're Jewish. And he says, I want you to go and make disciples of all these people groups around you. Come down off this mountain and you're going to come into contact with all kinds of Gentiles. People different from you. They talk different, act different, drag dress different, look different, etc., etc. And I want you to do what? I want you to make disciples of all of them. That is my calling. Our calling is to go to all people groups, regardless of how different they are from us. And sometimes the differences are differences that's easy for us to see. And sometimes the differences are differences that we don't see. But regardless of the differences, he said, I want you to go to them and I want you to share the good news with them. Now, the third area I want us to look at is impacting our culture. Impacting the culture that is around us. How do we carry that out? I believe the most fundamental thing that we've got to look at doing in relationship to our culture is living and explaining what biblical family looks like. What biblical family looks like. For the last 40 years plus in this country, we have seen the disintegration of the traditional biblical family. And I emphasize the word biblical because that's how God intended for it to be and how he set it up. Because of that, we've seen marriage collapse and we can't even define marriage anymore in the United States. Families collapse. Children displaying tremendous amounts of anger, gender confusion, depression. And how do we address this? And I just sit around and complain and fuss about it. Number one, we have to role model what we're talking about. We got to role model what we're talking about. We can sit and talk to people about family life all day long, but folks, if we aren't living it, it's never going to catch on. When Helen and I were living and ministering and pastoring in Chesapeake before we came here, we worked in the inner city. Our church was located in the inner city, and most of the young people we worked with lived in the inner city. 
And we would have groups of kids over to our house periodically just to eat and to hang out with us. And I would get questions like this. You and your wife married? Yeah. And your son lives with you? Yeah. And that, they never seen that before. I remember Helen and I, when we were there, celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary. And that blew a lot of our kids' minds that you, they never heard of anybody been married that long. They'd never seen it. One of the most heart-wrenching stories that I had from my time there was I had a young man who was 17 years of age who came into our summer jobs program. And one night I was taking him back from a vacation Bible school. And on our way back, he asked me those questions. You and your wife, are y'all married? And I said, yes. How long have you been married? At that time, we'd been married, I think, about 26 years. He couldn't get over that. Your son lives with you. Yeah, Jonathan lives with us. He said, well, I, forgive me for asking you these questions. He says, but I've never seen that before. Three months later, I sat in a courtroom in Newport News, Virginia, and watched him be sentenced for a felony committed with a firearm. A 17-year-old get a 30-year sentence. And in that courtroom, his mother said, my son never had a father. My son has not seen a father in a home. And Reverend Slayton's here today. She mentioned another minister who were trying to work with him. Folks, we are losing a generation of young people because they've never grown up in family. There is hardly a week I don't go by that doesn't go by here and Jacob can give testimony to this, that we are not working with young people in crisis because their families are in crisis. When I was in Chesapeake, I used to have to process applications for our Bible club and our sports ministries. And I used to see in those applications where most of these kids did not have a dad in the home. I had some kids that honestly I couldn't figure out how the family life was structured, even reading the application. And I came to Rocky Mount in Franklin County, and I thought it was going to be different. And I want to tell you that when we process applications here for a lot of our ministries, the rate of home breakup is just about equivalent here to what it is in Hampton Roads. We are blessed not to have the violence here that you have there. But the breakups there in this area are just about the same. We've got to find a way to begin to connect with young people and role model biblical family life in front of them. One of the things that we're trying to do this year is to equip parents. Those of you that are parents and grandparents, how do you teach your children the Word of God? How do you get your children in contact with quality material that teaches them the Word of God? And how do parents who feel like they don't know the Bible themselves teach their children and their grandchildren the Bible? Well, we live in a media-driven age, and everybody's got a device. 
So as I've shared with you in past weeks, we are linking up with what's called Right Now Media. We hope to launch it with them within the next two weeks. We're free of charge to anyone who's connected to our church. All we got to have is your email address, and then they will send you the link. But you can link up with them for video in all kinds of capacities. They have got marriage enrichment, tons of stuff in parenting from a Christian perspective. And yesterday, I went through the video library and just looked at sections of it for children. They've got Bible Man, who is an animated series to teach children basic biblical principles. They've got animated stories of the Bible. And your kids can watch this on your computer. They can watch it on a phone. You name it. One of their newest productions is called Benjamin Sello. And if you will look up on the screen, you're going to get to meet Benjamin Sello. New from Kin Media, the wonderful world of Benjamin Cello. An exciting new show created to enlighten the minds of young children with beauty and wonder. Hello, hello, I'm Benjamin Cello. Come on in, my very special friend. Follow Benjamin Cello, a winsome country gentleman, as he leads his friends on song-filled adventures through the land of the baptized imagination. I'm filling up my pocket full, my pocket full of seeds. I'll plant the love of God down deep. Dance in Penny Whistle Park. Every mind needs to find its wings. Every winter needs to enter spring. Hear the hallelujah hoedowns of the big old bar. Mysterious book, endless book tower. Iambic, trochaic, dactylic, agonistic. Great! The wonderful world of Benjamin Cello will captivate your children with the beauty and purity of a God-breathed imagination. Meet Lolly Popular and the cheerful chums, Cowboy Roy and the barnyard animals, Professor Wordsworth and the hungry bookworms and special friends who make the magic come to life. Join Benjamin Cello as he explores truth, beauty, and goodness, providing children with experiences that will nurture faith and inspire wonder. Remember, God loves you, and so do I, and so do I, my friend. The Wonderful World of Benjamin Cello is now available on DVD at BenjaminCello.com. Again, if we get your email address, we will send, or right now media will send the link to you, and you get access to a huge children's library. Also, they've got every other age group, men's ministry, women's ministry, Christian financial help, I mean, you name it. I'm just amazed. It's over 20,000 videos that are in this library, and you can access these videos 24-7 on any device that you have. So this is one way we're trying to come alongside of you 
The church is picking up the fee every month because what we're trying to do is make all of this available to you on your devices whenever you want to access it in order to bless you and to bless your family and to be able to grow in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So let me encourage you, please get the email addresses to us so that we can make sure that they are able to send the link to you so that you can access that. Any, also, any way that we can be of help to you as parents or grandparents in raising your children, please, our job is not to raise them. Our job is to encourage you and to come alongside of you as you carry that task out. So let myself know, let Jacob know, any way that we can be of help to you in that regard, and we would appreciate that so very much, and we'll seek to be responsive. The next area is, that, folks, we've got to do some tough work in the area of addressing moral issues within our culture. And we've got to address those at many different levels. I sent you in an email this past week specific proposals that are being put forth by the Department of Education of the Commonwealth of Virginia in relation to transgender policies. I don't have time to read all of them, but I want to read several. And the reason I'm sharing these with you is those of you that have children and grandchildren, this is going to directly impact you. These are quotes from these standards that are being recommended. School divisions will need to consider the health and safety of the student in situations where students may not want their parents to know about their transgender status. There are no regulations requiring school staff to notify a parent or guardian of a student's request to affirm their gender identity. Gender identity, a person's internal sense of their own identity as a boy, man, girl, woman, something in between or outside the male-female binary. Gender identity is an innate part of a person's identity and can be the same or different from the sex assigned at birth. A student is considered transgender if at school the student consistently asserts a gender identity different from the sex assigned at birth. It does not necessarily require any substantiating evidence nor any required minimum duration of expressed gender identity. Schools allowing students to assert a name and gender pronouns that reflect their gender identity without any substantiating evidence. Access to facilities such as restrooms and locker rooms that correspond to a student's gender identity shall be available to all students. School staff shall not confront students about their gender identity upon entry into the restroom. I don't have time to read all of the recommendations. Where they are at right now in this is what's called a public comment period of time in which any resident of the state of Virginia is welcome to go online and publicly comment about your feelings about this. Now, first of all, I share this with you because you need to be aware of it. Secondly, this is going to impact every student in our ministries. And third, we may say, well, it's the public schools, but folks, it'll be the church tomorrow. Last winter, I had to come to you because there was legislation in the General Assembly that said that all public buildings in the Commonwealth of Virginia would have to accommodate transgender folks 
which would have been inclusive of churches. Which would have meant if you could have come in here on Sunday morning and someone who is anatomically one gender could have access to the bathrooms around here of the opposite gender. Fortunately, our state Baptist convention and other groups went to the General Assembly and fought that in order to keep churches exempt based on our religious convictions. But I suspect it's going to come up again. Secondly, we had to go again to the General Assembly last year because there was legislation that was proposed that if a church had staff members who began to live out a moral lifestyle that was in contradiction to the biblical teaching of that church, you could not terminate those staff members without running the risk of a lawsuit. And again, we had to go, and that had to be worked out in the General Assembly, and I ask you to write our representatives in the General Assembly about that. But I suspect that that's going to come up yet again. I also want to share with you on a federal level issues that are at work. This is an article from the Southwestern Baptist Seminary News written by Dr. David Dockery. And there's a little bit of technicality, so please listen closely to this. But these are challenges that are facing Christian schools, Christian universities, and Christian higher education. Our particular church has a lot of connection to Liberty University. A number of us are graduates of Liberty. This will directly impact Liberty, as well as, I said, other Christian schools, etc. The biggest challenge to mission faithfulness today are in the cultural, legal, and governmental areas. These have particularly intensified in recent years since the Oberfell Supreme Court decision in 2015. Sexual orientation and gender identity issues reflected in the Equality Act which have huge implications, such legislation, if such legislation, legislation becomes law, it has already passed in the House of Representatives. Even for institutions that receive no federal funding, the implications will be quite real in the areas of hiring rights, student and employee behavioral expectations, and tax-exempt status, among other areas. Ongoing tension can be expected between advocates for sexual freedom and those contending for traditional understandings of the First Amendment and religious freedom. I will do my best this year to keep you informed, whether it is on the federal level or on the state level of legislation that is moving forward so that you can be responsive to it. But I want to say this to you folks. We cannot sit in our churches any longer and sing Amazing Grace and hope this stuff doesn't happen. It's happening. It is today. And we're going to be facing this in our own church if we don't address it. So I want to encourage you to be aware of this. I've shared with you that my son goes to Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington, D.C. They are not allowed, because of COVID restrictions, to worship in their building. So they wanted to worship in a park in Anacostia. And they were told by the District of Columbia that they could not worship in that park. Even though that park was used this summer for a demonstration in which the mayor of D.C. attended the demonstration is what my understanding is, but then wouldn't allow the church to worship in the same park. So they went to court and got the right to meet in that park. Well, it's gotten too cold to worship in the park. So last Sunday, Riverdale Baptist Church in Maryland allowed them to come and worship. However, the state of Maryland will not allow you to sing in a church. 
So they stood in the rain outside the church and did their worship service and music and then went inside the building to worship the Lord Jesus Christ through listening to the sermon. Now, I know we say it's COVID, and I understand COVID restrictions, but this is my question. It's COVID this year. What's it going to be next year? What are going to be the restrictions next year? Did any of us ever think the day would come where we would be told when and where we could worship in the United States? And we've got to be aware of what's going on and we've got to be responsive to it or we're going to lose the freedoms that we've taken for granted. So I want to encourage us to be involved and to be up on what's happening and to be responsive in the spirit of Christ. Social media. I'm just going to hit this and move quickly. We're all on it, or most of us, to some degree or another. If you can find a way to use social media to the glory of God, use it. If you can't find a way to use social media to the glory of God, for God's sake, don't get on it. We got Christians who are dragging the name of Christ through the dirt by the way they use social media who get into social media and just drop their Christianity and express anything. Listen, we are followers of Jesus 24-7. And what we say and do on social media is a reflection of whether we are living under His authority or not. And what we do on social media needs to attract people to Jesus and draw people to Jesus, not be a reflection of the hostility of the world we live in today. We are called to be peacemakers to His glory, not agitators. When we have to speak to issues, we speak to them, but in the love of Christ. Now, Jesus finishes up in verse 20. He says, I am with you always to the end of the age. How is He with us? He's with us as He was resurrected. He's with us in the power of the resurrection. He is with all of us. And He's with us on the good days and the bad days. He's with us during the tough seasons and the easy seasons of life. He is with us until He says He comes again. And because He's with us, He has the power to turn our scars into His story of mercy and grace. So whatever it is that God calls us to in 2021, we do it under His authority in prayer, and we carry it out knowing that Jesus is with us. Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you this morning that no matter what we face in this year, you are with us. We give you praise. We bless your name. And we thank you, Jesus, that we don't do this in our authority we do it in your authority. In that, Lord, we minister with you being with us. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, for those that are here and for those that are listening in any other capacity, what we want to say to you this morning is we want to invite you to become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. To simply say to him, Jesus, this day I choose to follow you belong to you. I want you to be with me and I want to be with you.
I place my life, Lord Jesus, under your authority. If you've made that decision to walk with Jesus, please let us know. We would love to encourage you and give you something to help you, a little book to help you grow in your walk, your new walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we bless you and we praise you for the mission that you've called us to be a part of. In your name, amen. Let's stand together and let's worship the Lord.